Hey. Huh? Hey. Hello. <laughs> what was that? Ah. Oh no, that was my uh, turning my microphone on. Ah, uh, okay. Cool. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh, cool. Hey, how's your week? Good. Um, I want to try something this time. Okay. Which is you also recording on your end. Okay. Um, recording now. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully that'll work. If not, we'll have some sort of recording, I'm sure. Okay. Cool. Uh, and we'll clap so we can sync them up. All right. Wait, what? What is that? <laughs> uh, it's like why they have the clapboard for movies. So you want like a sharp sound that'll make it easier to align the audio files um, later on. So if there's oh. the clapping in both of them, you can kind of sync them up more easily um, with like a very sharp sudden sound, like a clap. Um, and so that helps you like line up all your different angles and sounds. Yeah, that's really smart. Learn something every day. Uh, oh, there are actually five Ava podcasts. Uh, you discovered a new one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just didn't scroll far enough. Because um, after the five Ava podcasts, it's a bunch of religious text podcasts. Uh, and yeah, I, one of them, I think it's logo had wings on it. So I just mistook it for one of those. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, the, those have some cool names. The best is probably uh, get in the robot. Get in the robot. Yeah, get in the robot. <laughs> I, cool. I saw a thing on YouTube that was like episode one of Evangelion in five seconds. And it was just like Shinji being like, I don't want to get in the robot. Or like maybe it's get in the robot. He's like, I don't want to. And then it was like wheeling out Ray. And then he's like, okay, I'll get in the robot. <laughs> That's a pretty good recap. Uh, uh, get in the robot is technically titled Get in the Robot, a podcast about, and then it cuts off, I assume. Neon Genesis. Yeah. So we could do like just pen pen pals colon Evangelion for your search optimization. Here, here's what I did for my um, my Japanese podcast. The number one podcast in Japan is this thing called Bilingual News. And so then I made my podcast called Bilingual News York. Oh no! <laughs> so that if anyone searches Bilingual News, mine comes up second in this search. Okay. So we could just make this called like Joe Rogan Experiences Neon <laughs> <laughs> Genesis Evangelion. Uh, so like random people will stumble upon it, you know? I don't know if we can say Joe Rogan. Can we say... What, what if we're like, we're going to keep making this podcast until Joe Rogan <laughs> talks to us about Neon Genesis? And then at the end of every episode, we can be like, Joe, if you're listening, like, please reach out. <laughs> Send us an email. <laughs> uh, seems like an obvious grab, but seems like it could work. That's pretty clever. <laughs> Smart. Yeah, I think if we we're actually fans of Joe Rogan, that'd be kind of funny. But... Yeah, I'm not really. Uh, yeah, I same. mean, he like soft indoor Sanders, which was the coolest thing I've ever heard him do. But I don't, I don't dislike him, but I'm not like his target demographic, you know? Absolutely. Uh, all right, should we get to brass tacks? Should we get episode two rolling? Absolutely. After piloting the Ava Unit 01, Shinji wakes up in the hospital with no memory of the battle. Feeling sorry for him, Masato lets him move in with her. Which is not any of the actual lyrics. 
So I read something and then went back to confirm this angel, Sakael, I think, S-A-C-H-I-E-L. In the first episode, it only has one face uh, until they nuke it. And then it grows a second. Interesting. I I do like the thing like where he like can't even walk, you know? It's like really like you're like a baby and like disappointing your parents, you know? Yeah. And then there's that super hard cut there in the battle scene to this like weird still. It's a a hospital room. Everything's washed out. And this kind of classic anime cicada sound. Oh yeah. Um, It might be this cicada. There's one cicada that signals like the end of the summer, but it's like very much this like, the summer is coming to the end kind of like bittersweet sound. Oh, that's really cool. Oh, so I looked into this. The UN Security Council has five permanent seats, and I think these are them. Mm. The second white seat is Gendo. So I think the hook-nosed guy is uh, Britain. I think that's France, the long-haired guy. Mm. The red one is America. The guy behind him with the big mustache is Russia. And then the far guy on the white desk is China. So they give him a bunch of, like, stuff and nonsense. They, like, give him a lot of fuss, but uh, he gets everything he wants out of that mm-hmm. meeting. <laughs> he doesn't even really get scolded. They're just like, okay, yeah, we're, we're going to approve your budget. <laughs> I love that economic juxtaposition. Like, they have all the money in the world. Like, literally, for these Avas, for this project, for what Nerve is doing, right? Uh, but... You're sending a, like, terminally depressed 14-year-old to live by himself in a city he just moved to. Yeah, who, who like, all of humanity depends on. <laughs> like, there are no resources for Shinji. There are no resources to make sure that Masato has, uh, uh, I guess she's not hurting for cash. Oh, but they're, like, but... buying, like, convenience store food or something like that, it looks like. And she's got, like, yeah. her taped-up car that she's worried about the car payments on. Oh, that's weird. I had the title of this as Unfamiliar Ceilings. Did they retitle them on Netflix? What what does yours say? I wonder what that title card was. Oh, mine says Unfamiliar Ceilings, but that title card just read The Beast. Oh, I want to know what that says. 100% what? Delicious? Ibisu. I wonder what Ibisu is. Uh, It's like a beer brand. Oh, it's just telling you that this beer you bought is 100% this beer you bought? (laughs) Uh, it's, it's like a part of Tokyo too, where the brewery is. So maybe it's like a hundred percent made in a BC or something. I'm not sure. Okay, that's cool. Mm. You've heard how this is like a Netflix change. Uh, the, the new dubbing, I think. 
but but also this end song is it yeah so it was like a version of fly me to the moon like the frank sinatra song and part of why there hasn't been much of a release of this series in the u.s before now was because of that oh like licensing that music oh my gosh he's been dead forever yeah can we just make it public domain already yeah uh, but so they had to they had to change the song to release it in the u.s oh awful but this one was pretty good too like i i like it yeah it's fine it's cool it's a nice little piano ditty so that is a really cool episode too for a first installment of anything i mean like uh an album or a tv series uh i think a smart thing get people excited but not to have a real climax until the second installment of something because you keep people in you give them that payoff you go oh you you are the people who came back the next week so like you get to watch the cool robot fight scene which is what some people were there for in the first place yeah and i think once you like hook people then they're going to keep coming back so getting them to watch the first episode is really hard and then getting them to commit and watch the second episode mm. like that's also like that's like one of the most important things the show has to do right um it's, it's interesting right so they have the cliffhanger at the end of episode one you have the beginning of the combat to kind of give some resolution but then you have that like hard cut to just like him in the hospital room and you don't know if you're ever going to see the rest of the battle but then it comes back as that flashback and you know, almost ends the episode again. Yeah, you see him in the hospital, so you know that he's, presumably he's survived, but it does keep it from the audience until the end that the mission was successful, that they destroyed the angel. Yeah, like you kind of like figure that he just lost, right? Because it cuts away when kind of he gets knocked out and you don't know, you know, you don't know what ended up happening, but, but it kind of, it feels like he was defeated. And I guess in some way he was defeated um, but the, the Ava still won the battle. Yeah, and they cleverly give you a few outs too. So like maybe people guess that, but uh, you also might guess or come to the conclusion that he failed and so they sent Ray in with something, yeah. right? Or he failed and they sent the second child in because they have, we've already, or they've already said in the first episode that he's the third child found yeah. by some organization. Marduk, which is a uh, Sumerian god, I think. Anyways, so yeah, it gives you a couple of outs and keeps it a nice secret until the end, which is really cool. Um, So I'm going to set a timer now for like to discuss some of the stuff we were discussing during the episode, just to try to keep us honest. So so one of the things we were talking about, I was taking notes as we went, um, was the the weird difference between kind of all the resources that nerve the organization has, but then kind of the, the kind of shitty financial condition that uh, Shinji and Masato seem to be in, you know, so she has her like duct taped car and they're, they're buying food from like a convenience store. Um, yeah. It's all snack food and beer. That's it. So, so like, what do you make of that? Is that just like a weird conceit? Like, is that a thing that just like, doesn't really make sense? Um, you know, it seems like if, if this if the stakes are so high that they'd be like, you know, pampering this kid and like, you know, making sure he's like well rested and keeping him in the base in case there's like another angel attack and stuff like that. Is some sort of weird commentary about like how we prioritize things or 
It, it might be a conceit, like in that the show wouldn't be interesting or would be less interesting. I mean, or it would definitely be different if he, other than piloting the Ava, if he was kind of cushed. Um, but uh, I like that. I like your interpretation. I like that it, this, it's kind of capital. It's kind of capitalism. Like all of these resources are at their disposal, but the people who are actually working, they still don't get anything. The people who are actually getting the job done, as long as they don't make decisions, they don't get anything. Uh, which is Shinji and Misato. Yeah. I wonder, I, I don't know how, how much of this is just like kind of a universal message or if this would be a message in Japan too, but I feel like frequently when you're a kid, you're like told like, oh, you know, like the future is in your hands. Like you guys are going to have so much like power and you can like do all this stuff to like shape the world. But then like, like even though we all kind of know that, it's not like then we're like here, like, have all the help to like be as successful as possible, right? Like the older generations still just like hold on to their wealth that you have to like start from scratch. And Absolutely. Maybe it's a little bit like the hypocrisy of some of those messages that we send to, to young people. Yeah, like you, you control the future. You literally save the world, but you're going to have to do it on a budget. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then I guess like Misato is a little bit like the... She's like, hey, this is like kind of fucked up. And she like sticks her neck out for him. Um, and there's some weird sexual tension there that, you know, maybe is in Shinji's head. Yeah, is which her. is like, it says fan service. <laughs> like, I guess that's an established thing in anime at this point. Uh, and yeah, I, I think it's his, his perspective. Like, I think he's imagining things. Um, we, we we mentioned on that shot of like the city emerging from the ground, just like kind of like what an iconic shot that is. Oh. And yeah, and it puts some stakes on the the big bigger than life combat too, because it is cool to take a minute and go, well, there there are people in those buildings, or there are, uh, or look, it's not like combat without context, right? This is the city you're protecting. This is the city we are fighting in. And Shinji shows his <laughs> unrelenting pessimism uh, before the, the buildings come out of the ground. What he says about the city is, oh, it looks kind of desolate. <laughs> you're like, yeah. It's like a cool shot even before the buildings <laughs> come up. And that's the like, boom, like, oh no, there's something more to it. Yeah, since the literal Japanese translation is like a word that at least I think of as being lonely. Oh. So, so I wonder if it's kind of like, oh, there aren't like cars driving around or something like that. Like they're just like looking at this like empty city almost like 28 days later or something like that because oh. all of the people are like bunkered in the shelters underground still, something like that. Oh, that makes sense because they might still be, that's why the buildings are still down because they haven't given the okay to bring them up after the Ava attack, right? Or yeah, the angel yeah. attack. And I guess if you think about it that way too, I mean, that would be like, maybe that's a cool real life shot that doesn't translate as well to the animation of it just being kind of this city empty and like devoid of cars moving around and stuff like that. Yeah. But we learned that there are new, a new type of penguin in this episode, uh, <laughs> hot spring penguin. And we get the first glimpse of our Lord and Savior, uh, Pen Pen, who is kind of a Buddha figure in the show. You know, the world passes around him, but he just kind of lives his life. Uh, mm. He pointed out his cute little backpack. Oh, my gosh. Wonderful backpack. Uh, I love he has his own refrigerator, right, which is four times the size of the, uh, the actual food refrigerator. 
uh, pretty awesome. Um, and, and you made this good point about, so Shinji gets like freaked out and we see this like close up of this penguin eye. Um, and then later on when we're in the, the flashback, so after the, the combat is over, you know, his Eva, his mech has lost its eye in the combat and then we see it regenerate and it's this weird kind of thing where it almost this fleshy slit forms kind of like vaginal horror movie kind of imagery and then this eyeball pops out of that yeah and you're pointing out that that was very similar to to pen pen's eye which maybe is why he gets freaked out right like pen pen in the uh, uh bathroom would be a little freaky but uh just like keying into that eye because he just had this traumatic event yeah and that's the sort of thing that you could really only catch on a rewatch or maybe if you had really paid close attention to that spot that similarity and kind of like explain why Shinji acts in this like slightly abnormal way that maybe just kind of goes over your head the yeah. first time around. Or like for me, I, I'd never noticed that. So good eyes. Oh, thanks. I have been watching them several times before, uh, you know, to get some ideas. Um, but uh, maybe I should stop doing that. Uh, yeah, 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 that's great. I love it. Um, and you pointed out this comparison, your partner, Weijin, and I feel like you know a lot about like Norse mythology and stuff like that. And you pointed out there's like a myth about Odin losing an eye. Correct. Okay. So uh, in this story about Odin, right, who's the the all father, so like the head of the pantheon in Norse mythology, similar to like Zeus um, in Greek. So uh, he, like many religious figures, he uh, gets sacrificed, right? Like he hangs himself on a tree. But unlike a lot of other religious figures, uh, Zeus, or Odin kind of sacrifices himself to himself. It's this weird idea. But he loses one of his eyes, um, and by giving up that eye, he gets special knowledge. Uh, and I think it's no coincidence. That has to be part of it, because they say what's happening to the Eva, and someone says, berserk. Which could just be a cool reference to the anime berserk, but like berserk comes from berserker or bear warrior. Uh, uh, which I think is Norwegian or maybe like proto-Norse, but uh, that is part of the same tradition. Yeah, I, I, so I was just looking up Berserk while you were talking, and it's uh, from Old Norse. Oh, okay, cool, cool. So anyways, I'm sorry, I went halfway through. So he loses his eye, he hangs on the tree, and while he's hanging on the tree, he has this like vision quest essentially and gets these secret knowledge, knowledge of runes and knowledge of uh, the universe. And then uh, he resurrects on the tree after three days or something like that. It's very similar to, maybe it's nine days, but it's similar to like the Jesus coming back myth. Um, and so, yeah, he resurrects and immediately, just like the Ava does, because uh, the Ava goes flatline right there's no cranial activity there's no activity or they can't get activity from shinji uh but it snaps back like that like a resurrection hmm. and so this would be like norse paganism um yeah cool yeah yeah and so yeah so the Ava resurrects and comes back and is kind of in this berserker fighting mode um destroys the angel um rips off this kind of like bony exoskeleton and then uses it to stab this thing in the eye. And then... Yeah, that's messed up. <laughs> getting someone's rib and then stabbing it over and over with its own rib. But it was weird because it was like, almost like before that, it couldn't penetrate the eye. Like its conventional weapon or its own weapons somehow weren't strong enough. So it almost like needed to use this thing's like 
body against itself or something. Oh, interesting. Um, hmm. I don't know. Yeah, maybe I'm reading into that. Um, but that's cool. I don't think that's an eye, though. I think that's an, a reactor an ener- or an engine. Mm. Uh, we'll get into those. I think they're called S2 engines. Um, but it's like S squared, right? Uh, like which is pen funny because the N, just like Pen Pen, and the N2 bomb mm. uh, in the first episode. So its eyes are uh, sunk back into the masks, um, into its faces. Uh, and they light up from time to time. And then the, I think the big globular red thing though is the, the engine. Um, yeah. And that's like kind of maybe like a heart sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I think we'll get into it and it's like a fusion reactor. Okay. Like it, yes, it's like a heart. It provides uh, uh, energy flow for the angel. Um, but then as, as it's destroying this thing, it kind of like jumps up, hugs his Eva. That was interesting that, um, Misato, is that her name? Misato, yeah. Yeah, though, like Misato, as soon as it jumps up and hugs it, she kind of is like, is it self-destructing or something like that? And then it does like self-destruct, but it's almost implying that they've seen this before or I don't know, I guess maybe she's just a good enough tactician. She picks up on like what's going on. That's true. She is like, I think she's a captain and she is like running this operation. She's, she obviously Gendo tells her what to do, but she's like the one who coordinates all the information in the uh, kind of crisis room that they have. I guess so throughout the episode, another thing we talked about is there are these like little places where it flashes through a bunch of images super fast. It's like almost this like strobe like thing where it'll just like show you individual frames and you just like barely see you know, like his father or like some part of the fight scene. Um, and it seems that that's a technique that they use a lot and how maybe even in that kind of like frenetic intro scene too of just kind of like loading you up with all these images that are kind of too quick for you to process, but maybe are kind of affecting you on some subconscious level or something like that. Um, yeah, and it gives a really cool juxtaposition to all of their very still shots where there's very little movement or just background movement. Uh, and they'll give you like 15, 30 seconds with maybe a little dialogue, but that's it. Yeah, it, it's kind of interesting. And so all these those flashing things, though, I think are always like flashbacks. Maybe some of them are foreshadowing. I don't know if they do future stuff. We talked about how there's that weird shot of like Ray um, kind of for a second, like disappears in episode one. That's like mm. a little bit of foreshadowing. Um, oh, when she Tyler Durden? So. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And that's, that's something they did a lot in the movie Fight Club is just kind of foreshadowing by giving you these like subliminal images. I was going to say, but one of the interesting things, like since you mentioned those very still shots, so most of these flashbacks and stuff are animation that they already did. So again, it's a way to kind of like save money maybe where you can just take little bits of that fight scene that you already made and kind of like flash through them to create this new thing of kind of like his memories of it or whatever. But it's a way of kind of making an interesting visual without actually having to animate anything new. Oh yeah. Cause they're just stills. Yeah. They're just, or, yeah. Or just reusing things that, that they already had to animate anyway. Right. That's really smart. Gosh, it's so weird because you, I hate that, you know, art is on a budget, but it's so cool, the creative ways that they find around those things. Yeah. The little seizures would have been really accessible to otaku who are watching this 
when it first came out because they would probably be recording the anime as it broadcast for the first time on television. Yeah. Um, so they could go back and review those things. Yeah, and yeah, right. And maybe maybe as like you were mentioning, um, Anno was kind of a otaku himself and part of that community. Mm. So maybe by kind of leaving things like that for those super fans that it'll give super fans something to pour over and talk about. And maybe that's kind of a way you try to like generate your fandom is by putting in those little Easter eggs for them, things for them to spot, figure out. Yeah. All right. That's our timer. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you got anything, anything you want to add? So in conclusion, anime is cool. No, uh, <laughs> oh, we get some really cool, subtle hints uh, about the, uh, the Avas and what they are. Uh, one is it, the Ava after it, uh, uh, gets stabbed in the head and resurrects, right? Uh, it moves in a similar, um, inhuman fashion to the way the angel does in the first episode. It does this weird, like strange jump that doesn't really make sense. Doesn't seem to make sense physically. And the Ava does the same thing. It does this like back front backflip jump thing onto the angel. Uh, and we also get to see that it has uh, organic parts. Hmm. Yeah, so I guess maybe that's it for uh, episode two of Pen Pen Pals, the Joe Rogan Evangelion This American Life Radio Lab experience. Really pushing that character limit. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys have any, uh, any thoughts, any comments, um, you know, please let us know. Email us at penpenpalpod at gmail.com or tweet us uh, at penpenpalpod. <laughs>